Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on our team. I want to welcome you at all uh, six of our physical locations. Those of you watching online, we're one church, multiple languages, multiple locations, same mission and vision and values. And we have been journeying together through the entire book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament in a series called The Crown, where we've been uh, it, walking with Israel as they've asked God for a king. And God has uh, raised up this man named Saul, and we got introduced to him a few weeks ago. And then now, he last week, he lost the privilege of having an heir sit on the throne, so he lost his dynasty. And we also got introduced last week to his son, Jonathan, who is different from his father in that he is going to walk more by faith, but he's also a transitional figure as we will help move the story and advance to the kingdom of David, and we'll get to that again in a, in a couple of weeks. So that just catches you up. Saul has lost his dynasty, and then it, we're interacting now with Saul and his son, Jonathan. Now, I want to ask a question so we can meet ourselves in the text as we jump in uh, in a few moments to First Samuel chapter 14. I think if all of us said, hey, what's your happy place or what's your favorite place or where do you go, man, where you just uh, you feel at peace, you feel relaxed, <coughs> all of us have those things that come to our minds. You know, it's the beach, it's something like that. Like my, me and my family, we love the lake. There's both my boys, they're slaloming, they're skiing. Uh, that's a happy place for us. Here we are on some roller coasters. I don't look very happy here, nor does my wife, uh, uh, especially here, but we are happy. We're having fun. It's, it's us and the family. So we all like have uh, these places where when we're there, it just seems like, man, everything's kind of right. Or, or even when things that are wrong, we sort of forget about them and, and it just kind of recenters us. But if we're really honest, and if we really, if we jumped in the scriptures, we would realize something, or, or at least by faith we could see something, that our favorite place or our happy place should always be with God, that God wants us with Him, and that being with Him is, is where we need to be no matter what's going on circumstantially, being with Him is the ultimate happy place, favorite place. And so Psalm 16, 11 says, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And we have to recognize something that the whole dynamic of human history, why bad things happen, why we see what we see on the news, is that we did things to lose the presence of God. And that's called sin when we violate God's law, violate God's commands, do things that are abhorrent to his holiness, we lose his presence. But then God went to great lengths to enable us to get back in his presence. It says, for Christ suffered for sins once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might do more than just forgive our sins. He might bring you, bring us to God so we could be back in his presence. And, and, and the bridge that moves us from away from God's presence or distant from God to close to God is the cross and then our faith in God. Look at, look at this definition of faith. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, have faith, be in his presence, must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. 
And the New Testament, we're told we walk by faith, not by sight. And so the question, and what chapter 14 is going to illustrate, is we've seen for 13 chapters almost, a nation, Israel, and a leader, Saul, who virtually do anything by faith. It's by impulse, it's by flesh, it's by insecurity, it's by selfishness, it's by narcissism, it's by the pressure of the moment, and we need a man of faith. And Jonathan is going to sort of emerge as a transitional figure, because he's not going to get the promise of David, but a transitional figure to show us what does it mean to walk by faith and thus please God. Now, faith can be kind of this hard thing because for some people, I mean, faith is, man, what you believe in. And for some people, faith is, man, the facts. And, 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 but, but faith is kind of hard to kind of define, but it is easy to see when we see faith that is a walk by faith. And we're going to see that in chapter 14. In fact, just to kind of make sure we, we, we understand faith it has, it is broader than what we think, James says this. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So it's possible to have like fake faith or pseudo faith. And so the question that we want to wrestle with today, if if what pleases God, if what puts us in the presence of God, no matter what's going on around us, is am I walking by faith? And, And we can envision faith sort of like the GPS system on our car that helps us navigate, warns us of construction or accidents ahead, tells us the shortest route, the best route to go. And and, and faith is that mechanism that enables us to be in the presence of God, to do what pleases God, to be rewarded by God as we seek Him for who He is. And so we need, after 12, 13 chapters of despair, of evil, of war, of disappointment of the failures of a human king named Saul, we begin to get a glimpse of what does it look like to really walk by faith. First Samuel, we're going to kind of circle back to chapter 13 just so we get context. So what we have in chapter 13, the Philistines have raiding parties and they go in and raid Israel and, and steal and plunder. There's no blacksmith in Israel, so Israel has to take all their metal, their plows and, and, and their sheaths and things, have to take those to the Philistines to sharpen, and, it, and it's so bad, they don't even have weapons. On the day of battle, not a sword or spear could be found in the hand of any of the troops who were with Saul and Jonathan. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had weapons, so it's that bad, and then we skip into chapter, or we move into chapter 14. It says, now, a Philistine garrison took control of the pass at Michmash. And that same day, Saul's son, Jonathan, he's the focus of this chapter, said to the attendant who carried his weapons, come on, let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. And his intentions are to initiate a fight, which we saw he has that propensity to action last week. However, he did not tell his father. And when we look at Jonathan taking this step and, and this walk, if you will, it's a walk by faith, we need to start asking ourselves, well, what is it that inspires him and what is it that motivates him? And, and, and we can look back into the first couple of books of the Old Testament called the Torah, and there's a promise from God that he gave his people. He says, look, 
You will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase 100. 100 of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath the sword. So there's revelation from God. There's a word from God that says, hey, you are supposed to move forward by faith that, that I'm going to enable you to do what you don't think you can do. Now, we contrast that with Saul. In chapter 14, there's three portrayals of Jonathan and three portrayals of Saul, positive of Jonathan, negative of Saul, and the impact it has on the people of Israel. So while Jonathan is sneaking clandestinely, moving forward by by faith, his father is what? His father is staying under the pomegranate tree in Magron on the outskirts of Gibeah. The troops with him numbered about 600. Ahijah who was wearing an ephod, that means he's got priestly garments on, was also there. He was the son of Ahitub, the brother of Ichabod, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh. We should recognize this from earlier in 1 Samuel. These are, this is the, priest that, the priesthood line that God rejected. God took the priesthood away because of the evil of, of the sons and the evil that's going on here. And so what does it show us about Saul? He's not moving forward in his walk with Yahweh. He's stepping back. He's consulting, with, and he's partnered not with the true priest, which is Samuel. He's partnering with the rejected priesthood of the house of Eli. And Jonathan's moving forward by faith. Saul's backsliding. He's going the opposite direction. Back to the military situation. The troops did not know that Jonathan had left. Now, there were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. Jonathan said to his attendant or his armor bearer who carried his weapons, he said, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Now, that's not only a description of their, uh, of their anatomy It's a description that they are not in covenant with God. The promise of Leviticus 26 that we just read does not apply to these men. That God is not for them. God is not with them. God has not promised this land to them. Then he says, perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. So a picture, a portrait of walking by faith begins to emerge. And the first one is this. Walking by faith is believing God enough to go. It's believing God enough to move into uncharted territory. It's believing God enough to believe what God says more than what you see. Saul saw a a negative military situation. Jonathan saw God's with us and his word covers us. So walking by faith is believing God enough to go. Now, in all of these things, as we describe what walking by faith is, we're going to use the word enough. Because there's always a battle. There's always a battle. There's always, when faith says go, there's always going to be something else that says no, stay and wait. Like Saul sitting under the pomegranate tree with the evil priesthood. There's always going to be something to say, not now, not yet, don't go, don't go. But there's always something that's going to say go, and it's the Word of God, and do we believe God enough to go? And, and so I, I want to ask us all a question. I, I think we're all called to, to, to have a Word of God over us and on us that we're moving in accordance with. 
Like what promise of God are you actively trusting right now? What promise of God, what word of God are you, you and I actively believing right now? Because if we're just sitting under the pomegranate tree of complacent, casual, superficial Christianity, come on, James would say, even the demons do that, right? So a couple of years ago, we introduced our church to this acronym. I think it's great to bring it back out every now and then. It's how to step with God, how to walk with God, how to walk by the Holy Spirit, or as we're saying today, how to walk by faith. <coughs> so here it is. You're in a situation. Saul and Jonathan are in a situation. There is a word from God in his word that applies to your situation. So we have to trust in that word or that promise. Right now, you have to go mining for it. That's why we have to be in the word and spend time with God. We mine from the word to find those promises that we can pray, that we can trust in. That promise moves us in a direction. It empowers us to take a step, to take an action. And then the P stands for prayer, and we praise God for the grace we get. Or if we make a mistake or sin or fail to walk by faith, we ask him for his pardon or his forgiveness. But what is clear in the story and what is clear about faith is if faith does not move us or change us, it's not faith. It's not faith. We're either moving forward or we're backsliding. So walking by faith is believing in God enough to go. Second thing that emerges in the story is this, walking by faith is trusting God enough to risk. Notice what Jonathan said, perhaps we don't know how this battle's going to go. We're not presuming upon God. Faith doesn't you know, eliminate adversity. Faith doesn't eliminate affliction. In, in fact, if we're walking by faith, trusting God enough to go, faith can put us in hard places, hard places. But they're places where we're with God and God promises to be with us. And we've already said that should be our happy place, wherever God is. And, and so faith is believing, it's trusting, it's loving, it's fearing God enough to take that risk. And, and faith does not guarantee a result or an outcome. Faith does not keep us from adversity. In fact, sometimes faith makes situations more challenging. And so listen, you can be in a risky situation, but have a healthy soul because your soul is walking by faith, not by sight. So the walk of faith, what does the walk of faith do? It pleases God, but the prize of faith is we get more of Him. We may get more adversity, we may be in more risky situations. We may risk some friendships or risk some opportunities because they're not of God. But as long as we're getting more of God, that's what faith provides. And Jonathan says, you know, I can, you, know you, could be my, you could be like his father, right? Sitting under the pomegranate tree with the rejected priesthood from the house of Eli. Or we can be moving forward with God, risking physical safety to experience more of what God has for us and more of who God is to us. Now, let me say this. Because I think there's some of us here this weekend, and, and, and maybe you carry some false theology. Because there's a school of thought that teaches, and it's wrong, it's erroneous, but there's a school of thought that teaches faith can fix anything. 
and the reason your friend died is you just didn't pray hard enough. Or the reason that bad thing happened to you is because you just didn't have enough faith. You ever thought that? Or maybe, oh, you just didn't ask enough people to pray, and that's why the cancer came back. And that's why the person didn't get healed. We've all heard it. And you know what? We may not believe it, but we've wondered it. Because you've known people, man, they called the prayer meeting and everybody prayed and, and the person got better. And we praise God for that. But you also know people, well, they've prayed and the person didn't get better. The marriage didn't get saved. You're like, man, is my faith faulty? Listen to me. If you have trusted Christ as your King, Lord, and Savior, He is 100% for you 100% of the time. He is working for your good all the time. And if he causes, permits, allows you to walk through affliction, it is for something that you can't fathom and you can't understand, but it is for something ultimately and eternally for your good. Listen to the word of God. Our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So walking by faith is walking into risk where perhaps we are not going to get the outcome we hope for or we think, but we would rather be somewhere risky with God than somewhere physically safe without God. And that's the contrast between Jonathan walking by faith and Saul walking by sight. Now, he says this to his armor bearer, and his armor bearer replies, he says, do what is in your heart, because your heart is informed, is guided by, is being led by faith. Go ahead, I'm completely with you. All right, Jonathan replied, we'll cross over to the men and they'll let them see us. If they say, wait until we reach you, then we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up, then we'll go up because the Lord had handed, has handed them over to us. That will be our sign. And, and so Jonathan's like, you know what? We, 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 just, we don't need to presume. We, we need to kind of make sure we're seeking affirmation. And so walking by faith often needs encouragement and confirmation. The question we should ask in 2023 is this. Do we have armor bearers in our lives that help us walk by faith? Do we have people in our lives telling us to seek the kingdom, take the risk, go, pursue? Or do we have people in our lives just echoing the cultural call to complacency? Do we have people in our lives that more encourage demonic faith, which is to say no faith, than true faith, which is the faith that says, hey, pursue your heart is being led by your faith in your covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. But also, we understand something else. Walking by faith is not presumption. It does seek confirmation. So sometimes walking by faith is fearing God enough to wait. So Jonathan doesn't say, all right, let's just attack. He says, you know what? Okay, this aligns with God's word. God's community, this is how you make godly decisions, by the way. What I'm, this direction I'm moving in aligns with God's word. Leviticus 26, we saw it. God's community for Jonathan, it was his armor bearer. For you and I, it might be our small groups. It might be our spouse, our kids, and, and then some godly mentors in our lives. God's community is affirming that we go in this direction. But because of that word, perhaps, 
And, and because we're all one decision away from stupid, I'm gonna, I want to make sure this door that I think is going to open, I want to make sure God's with me. I want to make sure. So sometimes we've got to wait on God's perfect timing. So yes, God wanted Israel to defeat the Philistines. Yes, God had a promise for them. Yes, God had the right guy with Jonathan affirming the, heart, the, affirming the faith impulse of the heart. Yes, yes, yes. But God also has timing. Sometimes God's like got a not yet to what you want it. To, to, to your yes, God's like not yet. To, your, to, your, to the thing that you think you need to do, God's like not yet. And so Jonathan's like, okay, I just let's be sure. So there's a providential circumstances where that door is going to open militarily and he knows God's with him spiritually. So a couple of things. Walking by faith is not following your heart. Your heart's got to be led. And then walking by faith is not waiting for perfect peace. There's always a perhaps to the walk of faith. Otherwise, it's not faith because faith is believing what you can't see. So sometimes you, you wait. And so Jonathan's like, we're going to look at this. Everything seems to be the direction God wants me to move. But let's look at our circumstances and see if the providence of God shows up in a way that's unmistakable and then we'll attack. Verse 12, he says to his armor bearer, follow me for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. Because what happens is they climb the cliff and the Philistines say, come on. And they know that's of God. And so they pursue Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down and his armor bearer followed and finished them off. In that first assault, Jonathan and his armor bearer struck down about 20 men in a half acre field. Leviticus 26.8. I'll use two of you and we'll take out plenty of them, right? God's with them. Terror spread through the Philistine camp and the open fields to all the troops. Even the garrison and the raiding parties of the Philistines were terrified. The earth shook and terror spread from God. Because when you step by faith, that's God's signal to move into action on our behalf. When you by faith trust in God, God comes more powerfully, potently into our lives. Because God, what, what pleases God? The only thing that pleases God is faith. Complete trust and reliance upon him. So at this point, an image of walking by faith comes to mind. And it, it, it becomes not a formula, not a checklist, but we get some components of what it looks like to move and to, to walk by faith. Because really, the question that all of us should always be asking, is it faith or flesh? Is it faith, uh, is it faith in God? Is it spirit or is it flesh? And so some components of, of walking by faith emerge. First is our focus is on God, not our circumstances. We discussed that last week. Jonathan's like, God might, God is, God has. God is the focus, not the Philistines. The ambition is the good of others and the glory of God. We have got to get our land back. This is the promised land. So we're at war with the Philistines. It's the good of the people of God. And, and, and what we want God to get the credit. So yeah, we look at Jonathan and we look at the armor bearer and we admire their courage militarily, but it's all coming from faith in who God is, what God can do, and what God has said in his word. So the, 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 the one who's getting the glory in this should not be Jonathan or, Saul, or, or his armor bearer or you or I. It's God. Walking by faith means we're going to do more than we can handle. 
Because it's God, right? It's God. Christ followers, we should never look in the mirror and say, can I do this or not? We should look in the mirror and say, is God calling me to this or not? Is this of faith or not? And often, there's that perhaps. Often, we're outnumbered. Often, circumstances say no way. But God says, I'm the God who makes a way as we walk by faith. And then finally, people who walk by faith do inexplicable things. Things that cause a watching world to ask a question. Why did you do that? Hey, wh- wh- why do you have such hope? See, the wor- you know, let's, let's just look at our world. Let's leave this world of, of the Philistines and the Israelites for a minute. People in our world want to have hope. Christ followers, church of God. When's the last time someone asked us for the reason for our hope? I mean, if we're stressed out and anxious, worried about, consumed with the things the rest of the world is stressed out, worried, and anxious about, why is anybody going to ask us for our hope? I mean, if we let the clown show that's going on in the House of Representatives rob us of our hope, if we let what's happening in the Middle East rob us of our hope, cause us to be fearful, cause us to be anxious, cause us to, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? We're not bearing witness to the God who is pleased with people who walk by faith. So we should live lives that can't be explained unless we get to tell them about our God. So imagine Jonathan and the armor bearer get back to camp late at night. And they're like, why did y'all do what you did? Are you, what were you thinking? They're like, well, God. But God said, God told our forefathers back in, in Leviticus, we've heard the Torah read all the time, and, and, and we just took his word for it. Right? Inexplicable, apart from God. Now the story pivots back to Saul. And so Saul knows and hears about the, the, the Philistines and the terror that's going on in the camp. And so he says to Ahijah, bring the ark of God, for it was with the Israelites at that time. So, so let's, let, let's look religious. Let's get spiritual, right? And let, let's do that stuff. And then, But while Saul, Saul spoke to the priest, the panic in the Philistine camp increased in intensity. So he says to the priest, stop what you're doing. See, Saul wants to look the part. And instead of joining what God is doing, he delays in joining what God is doing and uses religion as a cover. How many of us, I'm going to pick on churchgoers, how many of us know what God wants us to do? You felt the tinge of conviction, the sense of calling because of a sermon or something that your wife said or something going on in a small group, and then you use this line to buy some time. I need to pray about it. You know you've done it. Saul, you should be out there fighting. Go get the ark. No. Faith, believing God enough to go and join what he's obviously doing. So the Lord... God is the hero of this chapter. The Lord saved Israel that day. The battle extended beyond Beth Haven. 
And the men of Israel were worn out that day. For Saul placed the troops under an oath. Taking an oath sounds spiritual, looks religious, looks cool, right? Man, I swear to God, right? I promise to the Lord. I put my hand on the Bible, right? That's, that's all kind of this religious charade. The man who eats food before evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies, suddenly it's about Saul, is cursed. So none of the troops tasted any food. Once Saul gets involved, it's less about walking by faith and it starts to inhibit the work of God because Saul is about Saul. He's not about the good of Israel and he's certainly not about the glory of God. And so you get this contrast, this man of God walking by faith, bringing glory to God. Saul gets involved and suddenly we're gonna look religious and delay obedience, and then we're going to take an oath that actually works against what God is doing. And Jonathan gets word after Jonathan has already tasted uh, some honey that was in the woods, and he replies, my father has brought trouble to the land because he's not walking by faith. Just look at how I have renewed energy because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the troops had eaten freely today from the plunder they took from their enemies, then the slaughter of the Philistines would have been much greater. You see what happens when the flesh gets involved? God and his favor diminish. God's presence and God's favor diminishes. Reminds us of the words in the New Testament saying Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Which means the presence of the flesh. As soon as the fleshly leader gets involved, the work of God is diminished. So it tells us something about walking by faith. It's loving God enough to persevere, persist, and endure. It's fighting the flesh. It's fighting the ego. It's fighting the voice of fear. It's fighting anything that would stand in the way of where God wants us to be. So some obstacles of faith that jump out. Religion. Religion. Saul gets religious. Bring out the ark. Right? Religion is what we think we must do versus what God has done and what God is doing. Right? Saul, God is saving Israel today. Go join him. Go join him. Right? Rashness, the impulse of the flesh. I swear if anybody eats any food, he should die. Saul, God's giving us a victory. But we're soldiers. We're human beings. We need to eat. Why would you limit that? You're hurting the vessel God wants to use. God needs a vessel. What is the vessel? The human body. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And all of this takes us back to the very same fill-in-the-blank that we've looked at probably the first half of this series, right? God plus God and God or Christ plus fill in the blank equals everything. Plus the ark, plus an oath, plus religion. No. 
What is God giving? What is God doing? That's all we need. Let's move in that direction. Now, as we kind of round third base on chapter 14, let me summarize. God doesn't answer Saul in prayer. And the troops keep Saul from killing his own son, Jonathan. The, the, the very one who walked by faith, who initiated that God was able to use to give this victory. Saul had said, anybody that eats is going to die. And then the troops have to say, how dare you? You can't kill the one who walked by faith. And then the chapter ends weird because we have all of these where Saul inhibits and Saul reduces uh, the, the victory and the scope of victory. And then we just kind of get a summary of Saul's reign. And it looks kind of positive. In, in fact, if, if they said this about any soldier in the, in the army or, or sailor in the Navy, then people are like, man, they had a successful career. Listen to what it says. When Saul assumed the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies in every direction, against Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah and the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he caused havoc. He, brought bra he fought bravely. He defeated the Amalekites, and he rescued Israel from those who plundered them. So we have this whole chapter that illustrates Jonathan, a man who walks by faith, Saul, a man who walks by the flesh, and then it ends with a kind of, kind of biographical description of Saul's accomplishments. So if you were to just read these verses without the, the verses and the story before, you'd be like, man, Saul's a winner. Militarily, Saul's a winner, right? He's had a successful career. God has used him. But when you mash it together with the full totality of this story we've just read, here's what it shows us. We may look like a winner, but we are not walking by faith. Disciples of Jesus walk by faith. We don't keep score the way the world keeps score. The world looks at Saul. If you looked at those verses, you know, man, Saul was a success. But it wasn't from faith. So what pleases God? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We all walked in here today and we have faith in someone or something. If you turn your eyes to Jesus Christ on the cross, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and you put your faith in him, Where's faith leading you today? To go, to endure, to wait, to risk. What does it look like for you right now? The situation you brought in here, the situation you're facing, the life you're living, to take a step of faith. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray together. God, for all of us here today, atheists, non-Christian, backslider, Christian most of their lives. We all got faith in someone or something. God, first I pray you give us eyes to see that the only one worthy of our faith is you because you put your son on the cross instead of us and for us. So with our eyes upon Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, show us right now what step, what act of faith in you 
we should take. God, may you find faith here today among these people. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.